Get ready to tune in to stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Today on the show, we have Will Hurst. Will has been a business owner for 15 years. Um, he is a serial entrepreneur in the real sense. He is a, a really active guy. He's owned some gyms. He um, owns and operates Big Little Gyms, which is a service for gym owners, which is really cool. We'll probably dive into that a little bit. He's married with two young kids and um, near and dear to my heart. He's a mountain biker, has a very active lifestyle and probably has uh, one of the cool, coolest uh, offices of any dude that works from home that I know. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks, Scott. I'm super excited to be here, man. Thanks. I even dropped the, the office in there. I love it. Oh. Man. That's, a, that's a point of pride for me. Spent all summer in the Phoenix heat building this thing. <laughs> well, I watched. I watched uh, through Facebook or Instagram. I don't know which one, but I watched and I, I watched in jealousy a little bit. And then you outfitted it and my jealousy grew a little higher. <laughs> um, actually, it's not jealousy. It's, it's, it's just, you should be proud of it. It's a, it's a really cool, cool aspect. And um, you, you know, I've been chasing you for a while to get you on the podcast. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped to have this, uh, this opportunity to chat about family, um, entrepreneurial mindset, uh, your businesses and um, all things Will Hurst and, man stuff. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your family? Because let's start there. You have two kids. What's what, what their names and ages, man? Yeah. So we got, we have Zoe and Jax. Uh, Zoe's my daughter. She's three and three quarters ish. You know, she'll be four in April. Um, and man, she's just phenomenal for you guys that have daughters. You know what I'm talking about? It's just nothing like, I mean, don't get me wrong. My son is awesome too, but I just completely over the moon at, you know, how that, relationship has evolved and how you just never expect it. Um, my son Jax is two and he's still coming into his own, you know, he's, he's just barely, you know, he's two. So he's just barely becoming conscious of his own existence really. Um, and he's just, a, uh, he's just a little monster, you know, he's a little, he's a little, he's a little boy. And at this point he just does little boy stuff and, uh, likes to Hulk smash everything. And, uh, that's, uh, that's his, his MO. And then, uh, my wife, Aaron, my amazing wife, Aaron, who's, you know, definitely the anchor and the rock uh, that, that holds it all together. Um, you know, we've been together 2007. So, you know, it's been, it's been 13 years. We've been, we've been on the grind. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have to give a shout out to your wife. It's the, where it all started. I'm pretty adamant about that. You, you don't get kids usually without falling in love with someone first. <laughs> Not usually we'll just go, th- we'll go with usually, but um, you, yeah. in my conversations with you, one thing I really admire is you really do lift up your wife a lot and you talk a lot about her, um, her amazing assets, what she does uh, as, as work, as well as her own kind of ability to be a powerhouse. And uh, I think it's just a, re- a really cool thing. I actually also want to um, jump into a little later, but mm-hmm. yeah. How did you, did you go into your first child thinking you were going to have, did you know you're going to have a girl or was it a surprise? We, they were both surprises. We, uh, we've been together, you know, like I said, like 13 years, a lot of people are like, Oh, so you have a four year old and you were together 13 years. What took you so long to have the kids? And it's like, well, uh, we didn't really make the choice. Uh, you know, we had, um, when we got married, we were like, 
we, we did what people do in their early 20s if they fall in love and get married and want to do like the the typical you know white picket fence thing or like we're gonna get married and have kids and, and plan the whole nine yards and all that but then we got married and it was like right when we got married I was 24 we met when I was 20 yeah I think no, we met when I was 23 um and then we got married a couple of years later but that was right when my entrepreneurial journey took off you know I like just like this was 2007 so we all know what happened in 2007 2008 2009 the recession hit Yep. Uh, prior to that, um, I worked for like a big name dealership here, here in the Phoenix Valley. It was a job I got because I had moved West and I like moved West with nothing. Like I'm a poor kid from Detroit, moved West with nothing. I hope you don't mind if I rewind back. I love it, man. Keep carry on. Okay, cool. So I um, moved West in my rusty 1987 Fox body Mustang 5.0. Um, you know, like so few things I could see out of my rearview mirrors. I'm driving across, you know, uh, you know, Panhandle of Texas to Michigan or from Michigan to, to Arizona. And I get here and I, I, I get here because my buddies are, you know, text messaging me on their Motorola Razors back in 07, <laughs> talking about how all the pretty girls here in Arizona State University. And I was like, okay, I, I can't handle one more minute of this Michigan slush fest in the winter. So I, I packed up my stuff and I left and I ended up sleeping on their couch. I had maybe a thousand bucks to my name, opened the door one day. And there's a newspaper sitting there, uh, point, you know, I flipped to the backside of the classified ads are exposed on the backside of this paper. And it says right there in like big letters, you know, make X amount of money per year, come sell cars here at this dealership. And I was like, you know, I grew up in Detroit working on cars. The, the, the company I worked for before I moved West was uh, like a high performance speed shop. I used to love working on my Mustang and helping other people work on their cars. And was also really good at sales. So I could help people build their cars fast and do what was good for the company I worked for. I knew it was good for the client. So I was like, you know, I, I don't build cars. I, I've sold, I'm like, I could sell cars, you know? And like, of course the time in my head, I'm thinking like, oh, I'm becoming these greasy car salesmen guys, you know? Showed up there, timing was really good that this, uh, this family that had been here in the Phoenix Valley as like the like leader in automotive uh, car sales here, the big brands, like they're, they were like the third largest Chevy dealership in the world at some point. Like the only one that wasn't based out of Detroit was here in Phoenix, it was Henry Brown and it's because they were like around for a while and um, they had like a huge, they're, they're Mormons, so they have like a huge loyal customer base of Mormons that just like only buy from them. So they were looking for some young bucks to get out on the lot and I walked in the door and uh, they're like, yeah, you're gonna be one of the first guys on the team, um, you know, let's get after it. And yeah, I mean like, you know, six figures a year for like five years straight working for them, built a good book of business. You know, and I was good at what I did. Like, I didn't just sell someone's car, someone a car and take advantage of them. I sold them a car, they enjoyed the experience and they came back and bought more cars for me. So I built the book of business, had like a little, uh, my own like fleet internet office, you know, um, in the back of the, you know, where the, where the big shots got to get, have an office. I was like, you know, I guess I'd call myself, I was one of those guys that had, I didn't have to sit in the cubicles up in the front of the, the dealer. Anyway, all this was going pretty good from like, you know, 05, 06, 07, 08. And then of course the, the economy takes a hit, you know, um, I was one of the top dogs. So I was still getting my piece of dealership, but it wasn't, you know, A, I'd been doing it for like four years. I was like, I don't really know if I want to keep doing this. I also saved a bunch of money. So I was like, okay, let's go ahead and let's exit stage left and, and go do what we want to do, which is start our own business. So I started this landscape company here in the Valley, uh, installing artificial grass. And the reason why I went back to some of the stories, because this is why we didn't have kids right away, is, you know, I went and started this business. We grew that business to like $5 million a year, installing artificial grass. Um, we went multi-state with it. We went over to, to California and started a division over there because um, we figured we could replicate the success we had here in Arizona. The products were fairly new. This is like 
artificial grass, everybody, a lot of people, a lot of markets know about it now, but back uh, 2005, 2006, it had went from like this really ugly looking carpety looking stuff to like stuff that's pretty legit. Like the stuff people use now is pretty like legit. It looks like real grass. It's really a lot of engineering goes into it. Um, you know, and so we're, you know, kind of uh, innovating with these new products and getting them out into the markets and, and being the installers that put them in. So, yeah, so, you know, <laughs> running a, you know, $5 million business when you're 25, 26, 27, like, you know, a uh, brand new marriage, A, we're making a lot of money and we could travel and do whatever we wanted. Uh, B, you're like, you're too busy to settle down and have kids because, you know, because we're traveling and running around and doing multi-state business things and, you know, cutting deals with suppliers in China and Georgia where they make the turf here in the, in the States, you know, it just, we backburnered it. And after like seven, eight years, we're like, well, maybe we won't have kids. Maybe we'll just keep like, you know, being rolling stones and just have each other, um, you know, and then uh, we moved from to California to pursue that business, moved back, switched gears, started a couple of gyms, uh, got into some real estate, like uh, tons of things. You know what I mean? We decided we made enough money with that business. And also I grew that business when I was pretty young. So I made like all the mistakes, you know what I mean? Right. Right. People are like, how, you know, how do you, how, who are you? People always ask me like, who are you to consult for other businesses and like know what's right and what's wrong? It's like, well, I made all the fucking mistakes. Oh, sorry. I swear on this. Um, okay. Um, I made all those mistakes that you can make and dealt with all the repercussions. So all the silly questions, you know, we're obviously both in the gym owner space and we see all the silly questions people ask about their business. I'm very adamant when I respond. So I'm like, nope, done that. Don't do it this way. And like, you know, for better, for, for worse, people listen and don't listen. Sometimes I made all those mistakes. I also rectified all those mistakes, did it two or three other times with their businesses, did it right. So how doing it right came together and it helped build really sustainable businesses that were profitable. And I didn't have to worry about whatever tax issues or hiring mistakes, employer issues, employee issues, marketing problems, all these things, you know? So anyways, uh, to fast forward to how we end up with kids now, you know, we moved back to Arizona to start our second gym kind of play small for a while because I did the bigger, did that, you know, hustle and grind for a while. I was like, I just want to move back to Phoenix, start a gym and just run that gym for like four or five years. Just do something like small and low key for a while and kind of also like do some deep work on myself, which I did. I ended up having like a major like mental breakdown in this process, probably because I kind of like let myself fall from grace going from like this five million dollar a year business down to this like humble little local CrossFit gym. And that's like really all I was known for you know, that's a, that's an ego stomper, right? Like to, 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 to step back, even though I chose to, when I started getting hit with the fact that I had stepped back, like, oh, this is like what I'm doing now. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm 31, 32, 34. And, uh, and like, I'm not Steve Jobs. Like I thought I would be by now with the start that I had, you know, that's really what started to hit me. I just realized like, oh, all that momentum I built in my twenties is like, kind of like went away. So I, you know, I had to do some deep soul searching. And then uh, at that same time, yeah, four years ago, as I was having like this mental breakdown and like all these major issues, we find out, you know, uh, that my wife is pregnant, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like all, all at once, right? Like uh, having an existential crisis, you know, suicidal ideations, all these things, you know what I mean? All, you know, really just hurting. And then you find out you're having, kid, having a kid and you're also not where you want to be financially. So, you know, it, it all came together. But we ended up, you know, having them and, and life has really turned around since. Uh, I'm sure that, that that them them being here has been a motivating factor, even though I'm not going to sit here and say like that I wouldn't have done the work to get where I'm now without them. But subconsciously, you never know how much things influence you. And I have no doubt that having kids um, adds a lot of firepower, you know? Yeah, 
Yeah. How long have you owned or have you, how long have you been, when did you start Big Little Gyms? So Big Little Gyms, it's been, it's actually, it's been like exactly two years. It's probably almost to like the date too, because uh, I, I formalized, formally started this business uh, when I was at a, like a marketing conference event, like two years ago in February, a big one, a lot of people know like Funnel Hacking Live, it's ClickFunnels, like main event. I was kind of getting into the marketing world back then. Um, and I had gone to that event a couple of years in a row uh, to kind of meet people and see what was working and what was, what wasn't. Um, and, uh, just, you know, had already had the ideas and I'd already kind of dabbled a little bit like freelance, like of helping some gyms with some stuff. I had done like some websites for a few gyms. I'd given some like, you know, just advice to people that had wanted to have conversations and people were telling me like, Hey, you should like make this a real thing. Cause you know, we like your, we like your take on it. Let's, let's, you know, you should do this. So I was like, got real inspired one night at the event. Like literally, I think it started with like one post, one post in one of the Facebook groups that all the gym owners are. And it got like 200 some odd comments and a whole bunch of people were reaching out to me. And we're like, Hey man, yeah, I'd love to talk, you know? And, uh, we, we launched with like a beta group. And then now here we are, you know, a couple of years later, a couple hundred gyms later, things are going, going pretty strong. Yeah. I think, I think the backstory of that is really important. There's a few things I want to unpack here. First of all, you've gone through pretty much the highs and lows of starting a business, which I am sure you were out there rolling out this artificial turf in the beginning days yourself. Oh yeah. No, I had, yeah. uh, so Arizona turf solutions, that was the name of the company. You know, I think I stole the logo off a of Google image search in like 07 when I started that company, you know what I mean? Like that's, you know, uh, that's like, I was a young kid. I don't even know how else to get, get a logo done, you know, there weren't also the resources, you know, and then, to like have someone draw one up for you. I didn't know if that's something like that cost, you know? Um, and then, yeah, like the first, the first job I ever got, like I practically gave away the job. And then when I had to order product from my supplier, I'm like, where do I have it shipped? Uh, I'm like, I guess my garage, you know? And like, I haven't shipped it to my garage and like these rolls of turf, you guys ever seen like a roll of carpet, it's huge. Um, and like a roll of carpet is hard for one guy to like move around. The turf is like three times as thick as carpet. So it's incredibly heavy. Um, and like, cause I didn't have that much money. Um, I cashed out a 401k to do this. I bought like a, a single cab Chevy Silverado. Uh, I think I spent like six K on that truck. Um, and then I, I had a utility trailer, which was way like, it was a, a utility trailer for like moving furniture. It wasn't for like, right. it wasn't for like moving like landscape materials, which is very heavy, like, like you know, rock and base material and, um, the infill product we put comes in these big, heavy bags. Like I remember that trailer where I put everything on it, the roll of turf and all my equipment and everything. And it'd be all like warped. I'm like, man, hopefully the police don't see me driving on the road. They're going to, they're going to tell me to get this thing off the road. Cause it's unsafe. Right. But I had to do what I had to do to get this thing going. And it didn't take very long for me to make enough money to go buy like a legit truck and a legit trailer and all those things it took a, you know, better part of a year to get there. But yeah, at first I was the one rolling the turf. I remember I was, you know, in the Arizona sun is incredibly unforgiving. Um, I didn't have to work out back then. I mean, I was, I would just be out there doing jobs and I wasn't selling, I was installing. And when I wasn't installing, I was selling and I would just be like sunburnt farmer's tan, um, you know, out there just sucking down water in the middle of the heat. So yeah, I mean, yeah. Pay, pay, pay the dues, you know? You're, uh, you're, you're <laughs> yeah, I've been there. Your, um, your alignment of switching careers, you know, mm -hmm. Jack's two years, and that's about as long as you've been doing big little gyms. I've noticed this pattern of men who tend to switch gears when they have a kid. Yeah. Um, and it, does that pretty much align with the timing? Like you? Yeah. 
And the timing definitely aligns. I don't know if I had a conscious thought, you know what I mean? Like, um, I don't know if I like ever said, well, I'm having him. So I got to switch gears. I never really, you know, but I don't doubt that that was an influent, influential thing to have happen. Right. No, no doubt. You know what I mean? To have one is like plenty of people can get by having one kid and make it work. Once you have two, now it's like, oh man, this is like a, you know, there's two of them. That's twice the, the you know, if they decide they want to go to college, that's twice the, twice the, twice the amount of money I got to come up with and put one, put them through college. If that's the route they want to go or twice as much food I got to buy, you know, it's it, now it's real versus just like having just one that can be your little partner in crime too. It's like, okay, this is legit. We're carrying some weight here now. Um, so I'm sure that that paid, played a big part, but I never made a, like a conscious effort. I, I've, I've reinvented myself a couple of times now. There's been like four or five different versions of Will. I mean, me and my wife talk about it all the time. There was the, the version of me that moved West that when I was 21 years old, there's the version of me that um, from there until I became an entrepreneur for myself around when I met Aaron, there's the version of me that, you know, uh, in those early entrepreneurial days, and then we moved back to the Phoenix, there was another version of me. And each of these versions, like I'm almost unrecognizable to myself. You know what I mean? Like the, there's a lot of like realignment in each of those phases, like a lot of things, a lot of deep work I did on myself. You know, I'm, you see behind me and obviously listen to the radio, you don't see it, but yeah, I got books behind me and like I, I read and, and constantly consume like self-help, personal development, things like that. Not because I want to be one of these people that just reads this like hype stuff, but because I'm like, you know, I'm trying to put it together for myself, you know, like trying to find that edge that's going to help me get to that next level and uh, whatever I'm called to do next, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, th I don't think it's a conscious thing. I have this theory that at some point when men, when they get pregnant, their wives get pregnant with their first or their second, something clicks. And I've talked to so many men and the timing is like, oh yeah. Um, it's when I opened my first business, when my first son was going to be born, you hadn't even been born. And I'm like, I should open a business. <laughs> and um, I've just heard this story over and over again. I think there's this innate thing inside of us where we're like, I need to step up my game. Like, and this is, this is a real deal, right? We're not thinking through it, cognitively mapping it out. It just happens. And it's probably some of the worst timing, but it sounds like it's been really good for you. Um, your first, your first child, Zoe, mm -hmm. uh, and you, you kind of call her, uh, kind of a little wild, or is it Jack you said was a wild child, but, but Zoe, you know, I don't have girls talk about how a girl impacts you as a father, like what that does to you. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's funny whenever I have this conversation, like I have a hard time getting through it without getting emotional because it's like, it's, but it's from a, a place of joy, right? It's like, it's so much joy that you can get uh, emotional about it. But um, like here already, already I can, I can, I can, I can feel it welling up. Right. It's like, uh, cause it's such a pleasant surprise in your, in your life, especially if you're like this, you know, of course, every man thinks that they're alpha, but like, I definitely know from like the walks, I've, the walks I've walked and the talks I've talked that like, I'm one of these guys that like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty like, uh, I don't know, intense by nature, right? Like, um, and just, you know, when you hear people, you own a gym and you hear what people say about you when you're the owner and all these things and uh, you start to, you know, gather like, okay, it must be a pretty intense guy. You know what I mean? So like, so I'm, I, I get it. I'm, I'm pretty alpha guy. And like, you expect when you have a boy to for there to be a, bo a bond, right? Um, and naturally most, boy, most guys are like, Oh, I want to have a boy. I want to have a kid. Right. Like they, they totally underestimate what kind of value a daughter can bring to their life. Um, and, and it totally has, because it's like, it's totally like this, um, pulls out this side of you that like is like hiding, 
you know what I mean? Like it's like hiding yeah. behind the, the, it's hiding behind things that's like softer and um, more empathetic and man, just like the level of, uh, you know, cute that she is or whatever. You know what I mean? Like that, that like, it just sometimes just blows my mind. I'm like, I, cr- I had something to do with that, like uh, to make that. Um, it's like, you know, and she obviously is like a, a like a, a bright light, I guess, in, in the world to me and, and will have a positive impact on a lot of people's lives with how um, special she is. You know what I mean? So it's like to um, have had anything to do with that is a, is a big point of pride for me. You know what I mean? As it should be. I think a lot of um, a lot of men that have girls have expressed that to me. This different side it pulls out to you so i'm always intrigued to hear more about that yeah i feel like with with jacks it's a little different like you're still protective of them but it is on a different level or is it pretty similar no it's definitely different and given like you know those years with her from like to where jacks is entering was you know really where jacks is now is when she started to kind of because you know two and younger they're not really that like conscious of what's going on in the world they don't really have they have their personalities, but they're still really just like a baby. You know what I mean? Like you're like their personality type, but like, I don't know, like a baby. You know what I mean? When they start to, and they start to like, you know, actually develop their consciousness and like their worldview and start to explore. And you can really start to see like some personality. That's like where Jax is just entering. So it's, it's, it's easy to, to discount where he's at. You know what I mean? Like, cause he's just entering that phase. So I think we'll see it here in the next year or two. We'll, we'll see what Jax is really about and as he develops some personality um because we really try not to have that too much influence on that here in our house you know what i mean like even, even myself always always wondered like you know is are, are girls really girly because we treat them like girls and our boys really manly because we treat them like men like are they a product of like these default like uh, social norms and environments that we create because of well there's social norms right so we try really hard to like you know like we're not even these kind of people that do it for like any other reason then we just want them to be whoever they want to be so we'll do gender neutral things but like my daughter is about as girly as you can get and my son is about as man as you can get And there's no doubt that one embodies a feminine power and one embodies a masculine power and i don't know if i'm missing your question or not scott what was the, the question you asked that got me started uh, just, just the difference the, the the difference of the way that you like respond and and maybe even a protective level i'm, I'm just kind of looking for that instinct differentiation between a boy and a girl that you've noticed oh yeah yeah okay cool yeah so i guess i was kind of still on it okay good yeah yeah, Jax has definitely got that masculine edge to him where like you kind of just at least to me just feels like he's gonna be fine and uh is gonna be able to take care of himself and you know and and i think zoe will too actually because she's got like a little bit of that that edge but there's also like because of the bond that we have there's definitely a daddy daughter thing that we have where we go for midweek pizza lunches and we do these little like these little things right and there's like something about like about that that's like if someone looks at her wrong i'll kill them you know what i mean like <laughs> you, know what I mean? you know whereas like jacks i don't really like i'm not really as worried about that whereas my daughter it's like even though she might not need the help i just want to know that she has it you know what i mean whereas like jacks i think will kind of either take care of himself or or just kind of know inherently you know what i mean so yeah that's kind of like that's my you know, and I guess I would know better as I get to know Jax more and his personality comes out more in the, in the coming next years as, as that develops, you know, how I feel about that. But at least where I sit now, me definitely just does like boy stuff. You know what I mean? Like right now already, just like a little brute, you know, like Hulk smash. It's like we set up all the toys, all his little Avengers toys and we play with him. And he just like his idea of playing with him is just smash them all down. You know, I'm up. 
smash them down. Smash, yep. well, smash them all down, right? So it's like you put all this together, like, yeah, okay, he's he's developing those masculine traits, and he'll probably be, you know, you know, and if he if he adopts any of my qualities and like the other men in his life, their qualities, like we're you know, me, my father-in-laws are all pretty like self-made men. So you know, if he adopts any of those qualities, which he likely will, just because you're a product of the environment, he's probably going to be like pretty hard charging and. Probably not. I'm not. I'm just generally not worried about him. He'll find a way, like I did, right? Um, where it's definitely different for women, right? I mean, the world is changing. You know, we're in this super progressive era. You never know what it looks like in a decade or two. Maybe that flip flops back the other way, more conservative, and women are viewed differently or whatever. And women are more empowered now than ever. But there's, there's, you know, there's masculine energies and there's feminine energies, and both have their, their, their benefits and their, and their setbacks, right? Like, um, so you know, that's kind of how I approach it. Yeah, I, in my early um, time with at Brotherhood of Fatherhood, I was interviewing men who had adult kid, adult adults. Their kids had turned into adults, and one of the questions I would ask is, you know, about raising daughters because it's something I'm very curious about. And what my favorite quote was by a gentleman that I respect highly. His name's Brian, and he said, um, "I want my daughter to be equally as comfortable in a in a a ballroom dress as she is in the." a dirty baseball dugout. Mm-hmm. I thought, I thought that's awesome. So knowing that your daughter's really girly, like how do you see your role in, in like, if you like that statement, how does that be, how is that fulfilled? What are the things that you kind of hope to instill? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely a, a big part is like, uh, you know, the things I've done, you know, hopefully they, they see me working and, and, and as stories get told, as they get older, they, they can develop a lot of character um, by way of watching me develop my character and do the things I do. Grit's definitely an important part of it. And, and, and though my daughter is girly, she's also like very athletic, you know what I mean? So and like, and I'm, I'm a very athletic person by nature. It's, it's my, I guess, way of expressing myself is to usually do like sporting or athletic things. You know what I mean? Like uh, I'm not riding my bike, I'm, you know, you know, doing CrossFit here in the, in the home gym. Um, or I'm man, any number of things. I just was doing jujitsu for a while. Like I'm always doing something. And so in our backyard, like most of the toys they have have to do with sports. So they're playing sports. She's like, you know, I set up pallets here in the backyard. Cause we just got done doing an expansion on the backyard. So we had some pallets left over from some pavers. I stacked them up and we made jumps and she's jumping things with her little like girly bike that, you know, following me as I'm jumping my 29 er off of these pallets she's doing it too. Right. So she'll, so she'll develop like a lot of those like traits. And I think a lot of it is just experiences that they're going to have doing stuff like that with their dad in their backyard um, is going to be how they develop some like grit and, you know, and, and things like that, you know, and that's what I'd hope that they, you know, they, they could gather some characteristics they could pick up. Yeah. Yeah. So look, this is a great segue into your office. So let me, let me paint a picture for our audience. Uh, Will has a built, and I'll, t- I'll let him tell di- dimensions, but he built an office, an exterior office outside and it's done really well. But, but the cool thing is, is like, if you're watching this podcast right now, you're seeing him in his office and, you know, he's got his click funnels uh, ward up there and, and it's, it, but if you were to pivot just a little bit and, and, and go the other way, you're going to see a beautiful gym. You're going to see a rack with dumbbells. You're going to see probably a mountain bike over there. You're going to see his pullout um, rogue rig that can swing out from the wall and rubber, rubber plates and barbells. Like for me, that's like the uh, 
quintessential like man man's situation because you know i'm all into the man cave thing but man i really like my work environment to embody like me i like a re- like if i could have my mountain bike in here yes it would be um so when you started planning this when you started putting this together and i do have a, I, I by the way i do have direction to take this with the kids but when you started putting this together what was your dream what was your vision tell us the size give us some a few details yeah, yeah. So um, it started when like triggered the whole event was I was I was selling my gym. So you know we own two different gyms over the better part of the last decade. Uh, first one was in California. I had a partner on that, and it was my choice to leave and go back to Phoenix and kind of do it solo and start over. So I, I had him buy me out for what he had in his bank account, which wasn't very much, but it was enough for me to like get back and like fund a new gym. And then I was selling this gym. And, uh, and it really wasn't because of COVID. It was just happening timing. We, our lease was up in October. We had already done one extension. We had already done really well during that extension. We were setting ourselves up in that extension to sell the gym at a decent evaluation. <laughs> that didn't really work out because of, uh, because of COVID. If anything, that COVID affected was what we got for the gym at the end. But we were really ready to move on because this thing with BLG was really taken off. Um, knowing that I was selling the gym and uh, knowing there'd be at least a little bit of a payoff there and some funds coming in from that, and then in the deal with the gym, I um, told him, like, yeah, I'm taking some gear with me. You know, we had really good gear at my gym. We didn't have just like cheap crumb rubber bumpers. We had nice competition bumpers, really nice stuff. Like we invested in good quality gear at our gym and, and all that. So I was like, I'm not going to go try to buy all this stuff again, especially the market the way it was. You can't even get gear. I'm like, I'm going to negotiate out of the deal, like 10K worth of gear, you know, a uh, few hundred pounds of the bumpers, some barbells, took my, my personal Olympic art bar with me. Um, upfit this thing really nice, right? And then I got online and started looking at plans for sheds. Um, cause I was like, you know, uh, you know, my father-in-law, my brother-in-law, they all have like their man, like you said, their man cave, which is like just like one little corner of the house, right? That's like maybe where they have their video games and like a bookshelf or whatever. It's not really their own like dedicated space. Really, the wife still like owns the house, you know? And that's like how. I mean, it's not my house. As you go to my house and you'd be like, does that man even live here? Like, we have a son now. You got to make sure this place isn't quite as like pastel, you know, and that, you know, he's a, has this amazing interior design, but it's definitely like, you know, it's not just no, not much masculinity in the house. So I was like, you know, having a, having gyms for the better part of a decade, I always had, you know, a four or five, six, 8,000 square foot man cave, essentially with my business, right? My gym was my man cave and it was just a mile down the road. And if I wanted to like get out of the house and work in a space that just was more masculine from more, you know, it's more supportive for masculine energies. If I wanted to like work for four hours and stop and throw some weights around and bang and clang a little bit, I could do that. Um, if I wanted to put on, you know, death metal, you know what I mean? I could do that. Um, I just had a space. I didn't have to worry about carving out a corner of my wife's house and the space that she's built for our family. So when we sold the gym, I was like, oh, I need to have that space still. Like it's very, it's like critical, right? Like it's critical. Right. I don't know that I could just be confined to the corner of the house. Hey, I'd probably make my, really upset my wife with how much disruption I just tend to bring around me. Um, you know, and just like, you know, kids are taking naps. I'm on phone calls. And I talk really loud. So I'm like, okay, I need this space. So I got online. So looking at like shed plans, you can buy plans for sheds, you know, for pretty cheap, like 50 bucks. And they come with all the engineering dot, um, you know, uh, plans and everything that you need. If you were going to go get it like permitted by the city and go buy, you know, material lists and all that. And I found like some really cool plans for like a lean to style building, um, with like transom windows and really, really cool. And got to like pretty much build, like you know, pick the design, 
pick up the materials. I'm like, I want to do this thing from scratch. Um, and it was also like, you know, I know a lot of gym owners listen to your, you know, a lot of your network's gym owners. So is mine. A lot of gym owners are probably listening to this. Um, you know, I don't know. I, was, I don't know why I brought up the gym owners. What was my point with that? Um, but anyways, I, like that, like, I guess we're all used to having our own space like that. Like, so yeah. when we close a gym, like more or less, I wanted to have like something I built from scratch. Like, and also like when I own a gym, also my point. So I guess with owning gyms, like, as you know, like it's, it's an all consuming business. It's like the business is not open nine to five. The business is open like 5.00 AM to like 8.00 PM. And you have the weirdest hours and like taking on projects, like building a shed in your backyard, even if you do have your business pretty automated, even if you're just trying to be biz, uh, present at your business, well, most of your clients are there. It's not at times that are productive for you to take on a lot of extra projects, right? And most projects you're taking on are within the gym themselves. You know, you're always moving a rig around or moving the floor around or buying more equipment or running new programs. Like that's where your creative energy goes when you own a gym. When I sold the gym, now I had this like big void to fill, right? Like, so it was almost like all the things I told myself I would do when I was when I was grown up, if you will, and finally had the means and, and time and money to do, I went and did. So I built this shed, went and bought a mountain bike, which is something I used to do when I first moved west. I just hadn't done it since I'd been married. Um, got back into that. Got wanted to get into Brazilian jiu-jitsu because I'm a big MMA fan. So I got into that. You know, like I I, I did like four things at once. Uh, I ended up like, I can't do them all, but I had to see the shed project. But anyways, yeah, I, it basically this thing's like a 20 foot long by 10 foot, 10 to 12 foot deep um, structure that we built from the ground up like a house. We built it like a house. So, and they were like shed plans. Um, but we went and built, uh, we overbuilt it. It's built like, it's built better than our house is probably built. Um, cause I was like, you know, I'm going all out with this thing, of course, just being like who I am and coming at things with the intensity that I come at. I'm like, Nope, we're going all out. So it's got like a really nice, like standing seam metal roof on it. A uh, nice modern lean to style. We did uh, like a board and batten, style uh, um, siding, if you will, exterior on it. So it looks like really, really cool um, and, and stylish. And it's got like a bunch of, a lot of windows, a lot of, a lot of natural light until it gets dark. I don't really need to put the lights on in here. Um, upfitted it with like Sonos inside. Um, and then, yeah, like two thirds of it is a rubber matted floor, like a gym and it has, uh, a rogue, yeah, fold away monster light rig, um, you know, a mass storage system. Uh, T, I got a 50 inch TV wall mounted up there too, as well. And then the ceiling's all exposed. So you can see the, the wood and the, and the craftsmanship that we put into this place. And that's like my favorite thing is you can see all the, the tiger stripe wood grain in the ceiling. Um, and it's just like in the rafters and all that. It's, it's super cool. Yeah. I mean, um, I myself, I'm like, you know, even after it being built now for six months and working in it every day, I'm still in awe, in awe of it that I got to build this thing and grateful that like the resources were provided to me by the resource or God or whoever provides these things to us. Um, and uh, that I was able to put it together and have the time to do it too. It was awesome. I, I got my family involved, my father-in-law, my brother-in-law, um, both my brother-in-laws and got to have some bonding time sweating and building <coughs> them in the summer, swinging hammers. <laughs> you, you okay, Scott? Oh, had a little COVID attack there. Sorry. Lost <laughs> it. Yeah. So it was really cool. We got to have, you know, that male masculine bonding experience this last summer on the backs of selling that gym. And it was really just a cool way to fill that void because one of the things that I never really um, had to contend with it, but I was worried about it was, you know, my identity was tied up in owning, owning my gyms, you know, I yeah. grew, you know, one gym and then I, I built another gym. And, you know, when you're the figurehead of those communities, 
you know, especially like we grew a 400 member gym that was pretty prominent and like a lot of relationships and friendships and bonds and, um, uh, you know, social circles were built out of that, out of that. So we were pretty, pretty well known and I was pretty well known. And, um, that's the person who ran spark CrossFit, you know, I mean, that's what I did for a long, long time. Um, and in my own mind, that's what I had labeled myself as. Right. So you worry like right. when you move on from that and you go to do this next level thing, but you were at two things that people are going to take me seriously on this new thing. And then be like, you know, am I going to be like, so attached to the identity that I'm going to be like, you know, am I going to have like another fall from grace, if you will, of like, I'm no longer that person. And these, you know, cause now I'm still friends with a lot of these people. Like, do they, you know, still treat me the same with the same respect, you know, were they only respecting me because I was the owner of the gym? Like, am I really not, you know, that's just your own insecurities and projecting outward, right? Like, you, you know, you're worried like the people like you for who you are and not just because of what you built, you know? Dude, I've been there. I've been there. We, we do. We really, in the service industry, when I owned my bike shop and then closed it, that was a big thing I went through. It actually caused quite a bit of depression is the fact that my identity was wrapped up in there. And then all of a sudden, I'm not the bike shop owner. I'm not the guy with all the great gear and leading all the rides. I'm just the guy that rides. Right. And then um, same with the same with the gym. It's if I relocated right away. And I will, do, I will give this little hint to anybody. I think Will kind of dropped it already. If you ever have, if you have a gym and you're selling it, take the best, negotiate it out of your price and keep it for yourself. You deserve it. You got to set yourself up for success. And the first thing I did when I moved was the garage was not going to be a place to park first. It was going to be a garage gym first. And it was meticulous and it was laid out perfectly. And then I left room for the car to drive in when it wasn't being used. But, um, but I love the office gym combo. I think that they, like the, in my mind, it would give me this like synergy of work, like mind flow, maybe because we both have owned gyms and we've worked in that environment. We relate so much of our, our, our work product from that environment. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. you'd have steel and rubber nearby at all times yeah. in order to get work done. And it's just to my left, even still after I, uh, left that area of owning a gym. I do love it. Yeah. And like when I built this space too, I built it to where I could do a lot of different things with it. If I don't want it to be a gym one day, it can be, we built big double doors that I hand built out of the back that like are wide enough to drive a car in here. So I wanted to turn this into a, a third garage space and work on cars in here. I could, you know, I do store my mountain bikes in here. So it's also my like bike shop, um, which is cool. But yeah, you need to have that space. I think every, every, every man does. Um, and, and a woman does too, right? Like my, my I think so. Now, my wife has the whole house, but even in the house, she has, you know, uh, a little area that she set up where she can get work done because she is like, you know, you talked about her earlier. She's definitely a force um, and is incredibly smart and sharp in her own right. I mean, she, you know, she runs our household, but she would easily be successful in anything that she put her mind forth. And she helps out a ton with uh, big little gyms and even has kind of broken out her own separate little part of it now with uh, like some plug and play nutrition and accountability stuff that she's been doing for gyms for years. Um, so that's kind of become its own thing. So yeah, I mean, everybody needs to have a space that's dedicated to their work, you know, that, uh, can be separate from the noise of, uh, of daily life, you know, on that same note though, something I've noticed about areas that I've created for work or areas I've created to kind of surround myself in, whether it's the home gym or like having a bike shop type setup at home, um, my office, when my kids were young, that's where they wanted to be. Like they would, they would gravitate there and they were always super respectful about it. There was times when you did it and times when you didn't, do you find that with your, with your outside office, with your, with your spot? 
yeah, it's a, it's a treat for the kids that they get to come back here. You know what I mean? I think because the environment and the, 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 just the air of the space is different because it's the space that like I created. And, and like, you know, I can sense the difference between when I walk out of this building and walk into our main, our house, and, you know, the main, the main building of our property, our house, uh, you know, it's, it smells like uh, vanilla air, you know, vanilla candles, my wife lights, and uh, it's more pastels. And here it's, you know, I got my uh, Husky toolbox right there and my bikes right there. It's very mechanical and, and wood, wood grain and steel, you know, black powder coat, you know, these things. And uh, my daughter comes out here uh, and will just ask me to put the TV on so she can sit out here in the extra chair that I have. Cause on this desk, I'm sitting on another chair on the other side and she'll pull that chair out and sit. And I think she just likes the, the different types of warmth this space has. So, uh, and it's also like, you know, you know, kids are like space they're not supposed to go in when they get access to it. They're just really excited to be there. Um, so yeah, they, they do enjoy the space and, uh, my daughter likes to come out and the, we have a concept two rower right here. She'll pull that thing down and she'll play the fish game, even though she really doesn't yep. play it yet. She'll just play the fish game, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's great, man. It's, it's cool to have like these multiple spaces. And then, you know, with building this structure, what we did is we also went, you know, all out in the rest of the yard. So we have, you know, a big stretch of turf that the kids play on and then like a really nice, like, um, herringbone pattern, uh, pat paver, uh, uh, patio that we just had installed that, uh, is just beautiful and really, really nice and useful and open. And, and, you know, the kids just got stuff in all different directions. So we kind of like, you know, we, we set up our lives well before this COVID thing to be able to work from home. That was always our dream. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that was something we wanted a long time ago. Back when I owned my fir uh, first gym, we used to, uh, and we still own the other company, the turf company, we would travel all over. We would go to Thailand and we really worked hard to set up our lives to be able to work. Even if we owned brick and mortar businesses that had warehouses or it was a gym or whatever, we, you know, that we had uh, staffed up that we could leave and go wherever we wanted. So we always set up our lives that way. And when we bought this house, we're like, okay, we're going to set up this house to where like, you know, when, when, that, when that day comes when we do sell our gym, we move on to that next phase that like our house has like everything we need in it. It's, you know, like to enjoy it. And uh, so we set the yard really nice to like to be able to do these things. And it's great for the kids, great for us. And now like COVID time is kind of times have hit and we're kind of forced to be at home more, you yeah. know, with less travel, you know, like not that anybody's true in most States you can go wherever you want, but like with this COVID thing, do you, do you really want to travel more right now? Not really, like not because of anything I'm worried about, just because of like all the limitations and all the having to deal with, the, you know, it's more to deal with the, like traveling to go enjoy yourself is already, it was always already like, you know, not something everybody looks forward to. You don't really look forward to the, the travel, you look forward to the vacation, right? Now right. it's harder and it kind of complicates. It's like, we're just taking less trips. So, you know, having the yard done up and having the space that's mine. Um, I'm really not, you know, struggling as much as I thought I would in a time like this. I really thought I would struggle more if I couldn't travel because I'm very much type of person that like flies by the seat of their pants needs different environments needs different surroundings you know a big part of you know why i invest in a lot of mastermind groups i'm in and have over the last couple of years was just so i had excuses and invites to go places you know what I right mean? Like, yeah just change the scenery because i knew that if i could change my scenery that i could change my behaviors make adjustments to my behaviors come back you know um giving myself a fighting chance to actually like make those adjustments. So it's actually like with having this stuff, this space built out, I've been, we've been doing pretty good, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty good timing really. I mean, thinking of the, the circumstances that have been in play and the timing that you finished it, sold the gym, finished this, it's kind of, kind of all unrolled. 
uh, rather nice. So you've been married, you said like 13 years. Yeah. 13 years. Um, what do you do? What do you do intentionally to keep your marriage fresh and make sure that it is in tip top condition? Yeah, man, that's a, uh, that's a good, that's a good question. And I, and you know, I, I see these questions get asked a lot in these men's groups. I try to contribute myself because I think we've done some good things in our relationship that, you know, when I'm hanging out with my, my brother and sister-in-law and their, you know, in their new marriage, they just got married last year. I always try to like, by nature, I'm a coach and a teacher, right? So I'm always just right. passing my knowledge, whether or not people want it or not. I'm just always like, you know, imparting my wisdom, if you will. So yeah, man, that's, uh, attention is the key word, right? Like you have to have intention. A lot of people get married and like, they just like assume it's supposed to go a certain way. They just kind of like take for granted what they have, right? Um, and they, they lose all intention, right? They don't do anything with intention anymore. It's, I go to work and I come home and it's kind of like just this day-to-day grind, if you will. And until something exciting pops up or you have an argument, you don't really work on it. You don't really work on it, right? You, you don't really put that work in. So, you know, especially, I mean, for us, it was easy for a long time without, when we didn't have the kids and we were making all the, making all the money and, and it didn't have the kids and you just had the freedom to travel. Like life was always exciting, right? You go to Thailand, you go to whatever, Mexico, whatever you felt like doing, we could do it. So you didn't really have to intentionally spice things up, but then we went, then we had kids, right? And that's where it's different because now you can't just travel when you want. Now you can't just, uh, even if you have the means, it's just not that easy. And especially like I said, in COVID times, even more so. So I'm seeing so many otherwise healthy relationships starting to crumble now is because like people just, it's harder to keep that zest, right? So you got to like have a lot of intention. You got to, I mean, I'm sure I'm not the first guy to say this, but you got to date your wife. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, it's really, really important. Like you have to have a, you know, whatever it costs, you know, if you only got an extra 50 bucks a, a week to spend, spend that 50 bucks on a babysitter and, and take your wife out. Right. Um, Cause all this stuff comes back around full circle to you. You know what I mean? Like uh, if you are spending the last 50 bucks on um, to go date your wife, you know, even if money's tight, um, the level of enhancement that will have for your life and the support you'll get from her to do the things that you need to do are going to have a, that $50 is going to start, you're starting to see returns on that. You know what I mean? Like I, that's, this is my business mind and how it always works. I'm always thinking about like, you know, if I do this, what's my going to be my return. And so I'm always thinking about, you know, those, those, those things downside and upside. And it's like, just pretty big upside in that because you see a lot of people in like just terrible relationships or maybe they're not, maybe the people aren't terrible. They just got themselves in a place where they, where they um, despise each other or they, um, that's the word I'm looking for, you know, where people just really resent each other, right? Like you start to resent, right. even if you're both good people that, you know, just whatever your situation is, you start to resent each other. Um, and the kind of weight that that will place on a man will affect his paycheck, undoubtedly. You know what I mean? Like it's, you know, as you, like your group that you've built, brotherhood of fatherhood is awesome. You know, it's all people that are, seems like more entrepreneurial and have a different, but I'm in a few of these groups and some of them, It'll be like three times the size of the one that you have, but the, most of them are just like average Joes who have a, average like blue collar labor jobs that don't make that much money. And at the same time, like when they're at the questions they're asking in those groups and the things that they're dealing with, I'm like, this is why you're not successful. And this is like, you know, and who knows, it's probably a compounding effect of a lot of different things in their life, but like the problems are different, right? Like in that, like they can't, get out of the position they're in financially because they're also in a relationship that's like just carrying like a friggin' backpack full of bricks. Right. Yeah. You never know which is first. And, and I've noticed the same thing. The, the, 
we, we have a very wide variety of people in the Brotherhood of Fatherhood group, but they are, we are swinging in that entrepreneurial self, self-employed, um, high achiever type of, of area. And there is, can be a high correlation between that and how intentional they are with their marriage and with their kids. Mm-hmm. And that intentionality is maybe some part of their personality. And that's why they do well in business. It's yeah. not, one is not uh, a void of the other. These are very interlocking concepts between marriage, family, and business or success. And you, you make a really good point. This intentionality, we, we go to work or we create a, 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 our own business and we do it with very intentional action. We have these things, we put them into place, we, we strategize, we look at the next step, we put things into place. And then uh, a lot of time that, that, that just kind of wraps into our own personal world is should. That's where I see success has, happening at least. Yeah. Is when we treat this just as important, hopefully more important than our, our business, but you made a really good point, is they do help each other. Like you can't, you're not going to be ultra successful and continually be miserable at home. There's a, there, there's a, a, a synergy that happens there. Yeah. So they, yeah. Thank you for concising that and making that make a little more sense. That's more, yeah, it's, it's spot on. I mean, that's exactly what, what it comes down to. Um, and some people are in the wrong relationships, right? And there are definitely people that get married to people that like, it's just a non-fit and they, they got to, you know, that's got to end or it's got to work itself out somehow. Don't, don't get me, don't get me wrong. That's definitely the case. And then there's also the case where like, Hey, they are, you are a good fit for each other. And you just, the resentment's grown because you're not making those efforts to, to each other. And, you know, and it, whether it be like unbroken or whether it be broken promises or who knows whatever scenario or just stagnation, you know, what, what gets that going is, is getting out and having those conversations you were having back when you first met each other and still getting to know each other. Right. And having a conversation. Um, Cause it's very easy when you've known your wife for 12 years to sit down and have a uh, sit down to have dinner. And it just kind of be like a, a normal, how was your day thing? You don't really ask her opinion on something or her, her, her view on something and, and treat her like an individual. Right. So you definitely got to do those, those things, and especially if like your wife doesn't, uh, you know, a lot of guys, some of these guys listening, you know, like myself, my wife doesn't have like a formal job, if you will. She's kind of like been employee one of like every business I've started, right? So she definitely works her ass off, you know, and, and like, I got to be careful to say that she doesn't have a job because she definitely works. She just doesn't, you know, go have like a formal, she's not like a nurse somewhere and, you know, while I do this, you know what I mean? Like she's head of household, but she does a lot, um, you know, but she's pretty much got the kids to talk to all day. You know what I mean? So like just even other human interaction, you know, that's a really common thing for a lot, a lot of wives, right? If the husband's the one making the money, you know, the wife's sitting at home talking to two toddlers all day, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's, you know, especially with my wife's a talker, man, she's an extra, she's an extrovert and like, she needs that outlet. It's, it's part of, it gives her energy. Right. So like, you know, I need to do that for her every week, you know, not just for our own relationship, but just like give her, if she hasn't chatted with anybody else this week, cause it's, you know, like again, COVID times, right. You're just hanging out with people less, you know what I mean? You see your right. fa- family less, you know, not because again, we're not freaks about that kind of thing, but it's more or less like, if you don't have to, you just don't do it if you don't need to in these times, because you're just trying to like 
try to do what you can to help out the, the situation, right? And like not be irresponsible and like not be the people that are getting together with 20 people every weekend, right? So instead of once every weekend seeing our, our in-laws, we'd see them we see once a month now, you know? So, you know, there's less outlets for her. So I'm thinking about her mental welfare too, right? Like she's got to stay balanced. So I got to, maybe I got to be that outlet. But that's what I got to do is just prop, tee up some questions that I know she can go along on while we have some cocktails on a Friday night. And that's what I do. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I do. So I'm not only being a good, uh, you know, doing this for our relationship, but I'm also like just being a good like partner, right? Like serving her the best way I can, which is like, okay, she probably needs an outlet because she's not like me where I'm talking to Scott right now for an hour. She doesn't have that many of these opportunities, you know? Well, you just, you, you just hit the nail, nail on the head when you said the word serve, you yeah. know, you're intentionally coming up with some things that are going to serve her needs. And I love that you're, you're uplifting the fact that running the household is a crap load of work. It is not easy. And, uh, you know, you're not bringing home typically a paycheck. My wife, my wife also, you know, holds the household together. And man, when she doesn't do something and I do, she's out doing, it's a lot of work. It's just a lot of freaking work. And, uh, I, I can't, I mean, I'm sure that there's some sort of like callousing that occurs that she's just developed some sort of tolerance or endurance or stamina. But I mean, I, I got, you know, we all have to stand in sometime and I've said to stand in a few times and man, like uh, by three, four o'clock going through the motions that she has to go through every day. Uh, like, I'm like, dude, I couldn't do this every day. Like, <laughs> you know, it's it just, A, it doesn't fit like what I want to do with my day. And I'm sure it doesn't fit perfectly her day either. I, I, she's by cer- certainly making some sacrifices to what she would want to do with her day. I think about that all the time too, right? Like, so, um, you know, when we have big wins, I make sure like if she wants to do certain things or buy certain things, whatever, you know, makes her realize that she's an equal part, equal player in the game, then that's what I do. Um, you know, even if it is like, hey, I want to go buy a Louis Vuitton purse. Like, yeah, like go for it. You know what I mean? Like that's, you, you've earned it as much as I have and we had a great month, you know? Right. So, but yeah, that, that work that she's doing is, uh, you know, especially like if it's, you got a, a two-year-old and a four-year-old and my, or my, my daughter, like, you know, she has days where she just whines all day. You know what I mean? Like it's not often, but she has like her moods. You know what I mean? That's something else. Notice, I'll say, I noticed we talked earlier about like difference between my daughter and my son, my son, very stable, just a boy, right? Just, just grunting and, you know what I mean? Like doing boy stuff. My daughter is like high and low, right? Like she's like high and low. Like some days just the cutest thing, so much good energy, dancing around, bouncing off the walls, jumping off stuff. Um, anything goes. And there's other days where she's just like nothing satisfies her. And she's just a little whiny. They're one out of seven days, but they come along and like, man, I'll go in the house just for like my one hour, like lunch break to get out of the office and change my environment. And my daughter's in that mode. I'm like, how is my wife dealing with this all day? You know? And, um, you know, to some degree, some of it is, yeah, we need to call attention to it and work on our daughter with that stuff, but it's also just going to happen. You know what I mean? And, and my wife really doesn't have a, uh, you know, she's, she's the one that that's her, her role in our relationship. Right. So she's got to, she's got to manage that. And like, so I'm like at the end of that day, I'm like, man, like we need to get out of the house. So that'd be a day. Like if I noticed my daughter's been, been moody, I tell Aaron, I'm like, Hey, let's, let's go out and get dinner out tonight. You know what I mean? Let's take the kids out. Let's get out of the house. You know what I mean? Like, so again, serving her, you know what I mean? And like, however I can to help her keep balance, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you live a life of service. Honestly, if you think of your, of your role right now, you're serving gym owners, you're helping, you know, I've, I've personally walked through your system with you just this week, last week. And um, 
looked at the ins from the inside, what, what it offers and what it does. And it's phenomenal. It helps gym owners kind of level their, their business out to next level, two levels, three levels. It really helps them get their things into place before that you're helping people get their, mm -hmm. their, um, physical lives, you know, their fitness lives in place. Um, so service, service is definitely a part, probably of who you are. Have you, have you recognized that from early on or is this kind of a, you know, last five, six years? Excuse me. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Scott, it's funny that you, you talk about this because, uh, it's something that's developed over the last like three, four years. And I think it, it correlates pretty strong with when I went through this really, really rough, dark patch. I went through like three, four years ago around, we were finding out that I was having my daughter and I was already going through it before, prior to that. We just happened to also find out about her at the same time. Um, and, it, and this was a, you know, a dark patch where, um, something definitely broke too. Like something I had, like, a, I was already feeling pretty down. I, I was really trying to figure out what I was going to do, kind of like fulfill the bigger purpose of what I wanted to do. And, um, I was struggling with, with, with trying to figure out what it was. Like I knew I owned the gym, but I just, like I said, I was feeling this fall from grace. Like, man, I got to get back up. Like I can't, this, this gym, it's, it's great. And it's fun. And I, and I, and I'm good at it. And I, and I, and I run a good successful gym, but it's not going to be like my defining thing. Right. Like it's not going to be the thing that like, it's going to be on the tombstone, you know? Um, so I was doing all this work and like uh, one day I was at a coffee shop, just, I think it was like Googling random things that I, I thought maybe I could get into that uh, maybe could be a good viable business. And like, I legit had like an acute panic attack that day. Um, and uh, like, it was the shell cracked, man. It was like all my reality shattered. Like I, I, I got this fear, this like my fear center got activated. I got really panicky right there in that moment. I looked out the window and it was like, when you see in movies when someone like panics and everything like zooms out really fast and gets like super sharp, like, you know, the uh, adrenals kicked up, I guess all that like happened. And like, I felt like I wanted to, I had this urge of like run, you know what I mean? Like run, but don't stop to go around things. Don't stop to open doors, just go through things. Like that was like the, like the fight or flight thing was kicked on. Right. And uh, with that came, I got the physical sensations and I was scared too. Like, uh, so I went home and like laid in bed and curled up in the, fetal position. And I laid there for like two weeks, roughly like a couple of weeks. I didn't really move. Um, tried like everything. I was, you know, like trying to drinking liquor or whatever I got to do to like try to calm myself down. Nothing would work. Like something was legit broken. And at the same time, I was feeling very lost with like what I wanted to do in life. And I think all this was like, and I, and I wouldn't like put any of this on my worst enemy. Like there's someone like I hated, I would not cast a spell on them that would put them through what I went through because uh, with that panicky stuck, panicky thing stuck on came the suicidal ideations. Like, uh, just like, you know, everybody's had it where they're driving down a road and they get this crazy thought of like, Oh, I mean, what, what happened if I just ripped the steering wheel into that wall right there? Like everybody has like these weird fleeting, oh, right. thoughts, right. you know, like that just like intrusive thought, right. Pops in your head and who knows why maybe people don't, but I've had them before back when I was, you know, prior to this whole thing, but I was like, now I was having them like repeatedly, like I couldn't go down the road without thinking about, do I want to drive off a cliff? Do I want to do this? You know? So all this, all this stuff, man, like was at a time up until then, I really wasn't much of a servant to be honest with you in business. You know what I mean? Like really like, you know, I, I, I took good care of my clients, but really I was, it was about money first, if I'm honest, you know what I mean? Like I'll be, I'll be that honest that like, I really was just, you know, and a lot of that was being in my twenties and, you know, you, you give 20 year old, 
five million dollar company and that's their first experience in business, you know, they're they're gonna develop some, you know, improper worldviews on like what business is. You know what I mean? Like they, they may not like be as grateful uh, or be as or like, you know, learn lessons, you know what I mean? And I made and I made all the all the mistakes along the way too. So I did learn some things, but I wasn't really learning from them. But it was like, I think that this, that's what was going on now is that this major shift was occurring from the inside out. I think there was a lot of baggage inside that was coming to the surface to say like, you got to change. You know what I mean? Like you got to change who you are um, and you got to find purpose and that purpose is going to be tied up and being a vehicle for other people. Um, and so like, it was like a two-year process, man, where I hired, you know, like gurus, like legit gurus and like shamans to take me on like experiences and, uh, you know, going through hikes in the mountains and screaming from the top of my lungs on top of a mountain uh, to try to manifest certain energies and things like that. And like reading, you know, deep diving deep into books and like just tearing apart every bit of who I thought I was to rebuild myself, um, to become the kind of person I needed to be to go to that next level. And I look back and like, while I was in it, I was like, man, like I, like I said, I wouldn't have put that kind of torment that my own mind was causing on me, uh, on someone else, but I'm glad I went through it. And I'm luckily yeah. I'm, I'm strong enough to have gotten through it. Right. So, and I know that I'm unique in that regard that like 98% of people probably would have cracked it. Probably wouldn't be sitting here today. Right. So I kind of look at it like now is like, I'm, I'm in bonus time. Like I, I call what I went through the same kind of near death experience as someone has when a car hits them and they should have died, but they didn't, you know, I call, I call, I call what I went through the same kind of experience. So I'm kind of like here in bonus time. Right. Um, and so from here on out, it's just like, you know, whatever I need to be, whatever, whoever I need to serve, whatever, um, you know, if I need to bend over backwards for people and, and just over deliver tremendous amounts of value in return for whatever, you know, dollars they take out of their pocket that helps, you know, you know, our family pay their bills and put some money away, then I'll make sure they see a big return on that. So yes, sir, it's funny because I've had people say that a few times and I had these conversations I'm like, man, you're really someone who serves people. And I still to this day, I'm like, man, I was not that guy like five, 10, 15 years ago. I remember when I did sell cars and I used to sell cars, but even though I took good care of people and I never took advantage of people, I never did anything like, you know, uh, schemey like some people in the car sales world would do, you know, I would sell them a car and then like I would tell them I'd make a promise for some floor mats or something. And then I just wouldn't call them back. You know what I mean? I'd let one of the departments handle it when I should have handled it. Right. Like there are little things that like when the sale was done, I just kind of moved on. Right. Like I uh, wasn't really thinking that much about servitude as much as I was thinking about like making the sale and saying what I had to say to make the sale at the time without really pissing anybody off or taking advantage of anybody. Um, that's definitely flipped now, you know, call it maturity, call it life experience, call it whatever, call it what I went through. Um, you know, definitely. Um, I look at myself as I'm just a vehicle now. And like, there's, I feel like there's something working through me if I have to best describe that. And maybe, maybe that's what, maybe that's what God is. Maybe, you know what I mean? Like there's definitely, I'm sure some guys you have that watch this that are full on religious and they're going to say, that's, that's God, man. That's, that's who that is. Right. Or the universe or whatever the divine power is that, that there's definitely something, you know what I mean? Like me, I, my journey, I'm, I'm still figuring that out. Um, but it's working through me for sure. You know? I, I, I love that journey that you just walked us through, you know, and, and the transformation that occurred. And it, it, it was your, it was your big aha moment. It was your big um, thing that happened. I, I have had one of those. And I think most people do where they go back and you're like, that's the origin of where I, who I am and what I do right now. It's your origin story of your now, mm-hmm. you know, now you're in this bonus time, which I think is, is a phenomenal way to put it because I think we do all go through transformations and 
honestly, I think those guys you were referring to earlier who are kind of just stuck in these nine to five jobs and kind of just kind of, you know, clock in, clock out, go drink a beer, go home. I mean, go home, drink a beer, go to bed, clock in, clock out. I don't think they've had those moments. I don't think they've had those big shifting things that have occurred in their lives where they are woke up and it's, it's happened to every man that I've interviewed that is excelling in business at this point. They had a big moment. They had a, a, a crisis with identity because they were putting it in the wrong thing. You've talked about that. Mm-hmm. They've had a switch to a service servant heart or like a servant, an act of servitude. It's the next level. And they've had some big profound things happen in their lives. So guys, if you uh, need to get to that point, I guess you have to go through something big, okay. you know? You got to find a way to hit bottom, right? Like that's like kind of more or less what I, it's kind of what it's like, right? It's just what the drug addicts call it, right? They, before they make that big turnaround, you know, they, they, hit, they hit bottom, right? And you don't necessarily need to get addicted to drugs to have that experience. All that does, I mean, really a drug addict and someone going through what I went through is really the kind of the same journey almost actually. Like, you know, this, the drug addict was using the drugs as a coping mechanism. I, I think I was using my business as a coping, coping mechanism, right? Like I would just work myself to the bone, like, you know, and like, I just, you know, I remember my wife even saying earlier in our relationship after the honeymoon years kind of ended and we were just kind of in the swing of things that like, I wasn't very present, you know? And I didn't know what that meant back. I didn't know what that meant back then. I was like, whatever woo woo stuff you're talking about, like I'm over here working and paying, you know, paying the bills or whatever. And now I know what she was talking about. I wasn't very present. I was like, you know, as addicted to my work as people get addicted to opiates and whatever else people do to mask the symptoms of a, whatever pain it is that they're, they're dealing with. Right. Like, um, and we're all dealing with stuff. We all got baggage, no matter how good our lives were raised. Like it's, there's usually something there with our parents and our mom or our dad or some, some sort of like, you know, thing there that we got to figure out. Right. And it's, it's usually like something we also got to like work on ourselves too. You got to like, you know, ownership's a big thing that, that I think people miss these days are missing the mark on these days more than ever. Right. And I'm sure we could probably go super deep on that. I see that's a conversation oh, yeah. comes up quite a bit in, in your group and in a lot of these different groups of, uh, and it's just something that's, I don't know if we're just, cause we're in this ultra progressive time, which is a cycle, right? Like we go back and forth between these cycles of like progressivism and conservatism. And that sounds like a political thing, but it's not, it's just like, that's, that's like human consciousness, right? Like it ebbs and flows. Right. And right now we're in a super progressive place where like nobody really, really wants to take personal responsibility, you know? Um, so it, and with that, during these times of progressive, we also have more people depressed than ever, right? When they have all, all the society saying it's okay to blame it on all this stuff and people are, it doesn't make you feel any better. That end road, man. That's a, we talked early on in the brotherhood fatherhood podcast about um, what I call the circle concept. And it's this, um, this analogy of, and you've seen it on Facebook, you've seen it all over the place, but I guess I just imagine standing in gravel or a dirt, a really dusty dirt road with a stick in my hand and just walking, just turning in a circle and, and realizing that every single thing that happens, everything that I get upset about, everything that I um, want to change, it all has to start inside of that circle. And I'm the guy standing in there and that's the only thing I can control. The only thing I can control is in that circle. Like, and I got to, I got to work on that. Mm-hmm. And, and there's freedom in letting go of all the external things and saying, you know what? I got to take personal responsibility. 
you know, yeah, maybe somebody did X, Y, or Z to me, but how I respond is my responsibility. Mm -hmm. How I move past this is my responsibility. And I think, you know, um, that might be another differentiator for successful entrepreneurs and business owners is they, they do take personal responsibility for things. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I, I think that's, uh, I've been doing a lot of work recently on like, uh, like, uh, language patterns and stuff like that. Like, uh, what do they call it? The NLP is one NLP. of the, yeah, it was yep. one of the things, but, um, I feel like that's something I've grasped like, before I even knew what that was. And when I found out what it was, I was like, Oh wow. I think I kind of already subscribed to that way of like approach of like looking at how I deliver information and receive information from the world. It was already kind of something I felt like what made me from a really young age, a good salesperson was like, I could just kind of always sense through like people's tonality and body language and the, the 93% of communication that most people don't give any weight to, which is everything but the words, right? Like, and even when they do use their words, how do they organize their words and kind of beat around the bush a little bit, like very subtly. Right. And um, as I dive into that world more and more and more, like I get, um, more and more infatuated with like sensory acuity and what that is is like some people are almost like psychics in business right like they and people are like how does that guy know right like how is that guy got such good vision in business and like just knows where things are heading all the time and just has his pulse on like what all the buyers out there want and just can come up with the right thing like people like Steve Jobs and uh, you know just his vision you know Elon Musk right like people right. that have incredible vision and it's like well that's not a mistake man like that guy has developed sensory acuity, like to where it almost looks like, and it, it is because he's dived so deep into all these different, all this different subject matter and understanding of things and has made the mistakes and has punished himself enough and taken enough responsibility over the years to where like their, their like senses can adjust so minutely to little ebbs and flows that like it just leads them to the right conclusion on things, right? It's like, it's so small. And it's like, those people have paid their dues, right? And like, the people are like, oh, certain people are lucky. And it's like, I don't know how much of it's luck and how much of just like a, a degree of sensory acuity has been so sharpened that they can just kind of feel where things are going. It's like, an, and it comes across as intuition. People call it intuition, right? Like they're like, like sometimes I wonder, because I've myself, and this is why I've been looking at it so much recently is because I myself walked right in the path of success like five, six different times now in my like working life, right? And in each, and I'm a kid, like I didn't go to college. I struggled through grade school, uh, you know, all my memories of like grade school, it's very dark, you know what I mean? Like was never really felt like socially accepted, ADD, all that stuff. Doctors telling me, you know, like, uh, uh, you have to take this medicine and then I didn't want to take it. Like way it made me felt, maybe it made me feel. So I would pretend to take it in the morning. I would spit it out when I walked outside uh, on the way to the, the bus stop. And then I was in like special programs, like the social, you know, the special social programs that schools have, like the kids that aren't getting socially, you know, like I was in all that, you know? So, and then like my friends were kids that were doing drugs and doing, you know, had bad habits and stuff like that. So like for me, up until like 17, 18 years old, I was like, man, you just got to get out of this place. You know what I mean? Like, that's why I moved West when I was like 21. I was like, you got to get out of this place and change, change my environment. So like, it was nowhere in the cards, you know, like, uh, that I was supposed to be successful in any way. You know what I mean? I was prepared because I used to work on cars and work in like factories. And I think I had like 20 jobs when I was like 16 to 20 before I moved West. You know, to, I was prepared for life of blue collar work, whatever I got to do to get, get my hands dirty, right? I grew up in Metro Detroit. A lot of people in that part of the world, that's their destiny, right? Like they're not, 
you know, not going to college, you know what I mean? They're, they're going to go work on an assembly line somewhere or in a, you know, some sort of parts shop for uh, General Motors or Ford or, 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 you know, some company that's contracted to make plastic mold injection pieces. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that's what I was prepared to do. So when I moved West and just started hustling with that blue collar spirit and saw what it did in a, in a white collar world, I was like, man, you know, and like success just started, I started walking right in the path of success. I started like, you know, the, the, the right things manifested for me as a result of that hard work. So, so yeah, man, like there's, there's something there, some, something intuition that some people have. And I think it was growing up with like that blue collar mentality and like, just, you know, all those things that I share with you guys that, that, that forged an intuition that now is as an adult in an entrepreneurial world, I can see things that other people can't see. I can see opportunity and I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a little bit faster than a lot, a lot of other people. Um, and that's not me like gloating. That's just like, Hey man, like you've walked right into these like things like five or six times now. Uh, there's nothing I haven't put my head, mind to that. I haven't been successful yet. And it's to the point now where it's like, I just know whichever direction I got to go, I'm going to figure it out. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to figure it out and it's going to come together and um, it's going to be, it's going to be good. You know, I more than anything, what I got to be careful now is like, what, you know, are these things that I'm doing the things that I want to do? Knowing that like I can get myself into trouble with anything. Yeah. Like do I want to start another business that's, do I want to start another business that I'm not going to feel fulfilled by in like four or five years. And I feel like what if what I'm doing now, it is like, I mean, it pretty much hits on all the marks, you know what I mean? And uh, I'm working with gym owners now and coaching and, and, and yeah, we give them a lot of like practical advice and things that like point and click type stuff. But I also work pretty closely with them to help shift their mindset because there's no doubt that like the people that are good at business, like we're talking about here that are good at business and life, um, good relate relationships. There's some like correlating things there that like, that's the stuff that when I get on the phone with them and we do their onboarding, they think they're coming on to learn how to put this system in place or some marketing stuff. And I spend 20 minutes with them on that stuff. But then the other 40 minutes of the call, I'm like, okay, I'm like, let's close that window and let's talk about something else for a minute here. You know what I mean? And like, we start talking about why they're thinking about their business a certain way. And then they, you know, and I could see these subtle changes in them and these shifts and it's like, okay, I, now I'm doing something meaningful. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I might not be doing it with gym owners forever. We talked about this the other day. I probably won't do it with gym owners forever because I feel like to just squeeze myself into that one little pocket, and especially when that pocket isn't always as grateful as you'd hope they'd be right. Because, you know, there are some really, really cool and really, really talented people with a lot of potential in this space, but there's also a lot of people that are in it just because of circumstance and they don't, really aren't is really grateful for the position that they're in and want to take full advantage of it. Right. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I, I, one day I'm sure it'll, I'll get a pull in a certain direction where I feel there's a pocket of people that will really appreciate the position that they're in and want to take it to another level, you know, because, you know, what I see with gym owners at least and why I think every gym owner is in an awesome position is um, because they can change lives. You know what I mean? I did it with my gym um, my, my two gyms. And that's the thing I love the most about it is it didn't make as much money as something else I could have been doing with my time, but I got to like help develop some serious relationships. Um, you know, there's going to be children born into this world because of the business I started, you know what I mean? Like people got met and got made and those friendships. And, you know, there's a bunch of people we're still friends with now that like, they still only hang out with people they met at the gym when we owned the gym, their entire social circle. People, people moved here from out of state, found my gym, uh, became friends with us, loved it so much. They bought a house in the area, uh, took a job in the area, you know, doctors, successful people, professionals. I could have gotten jobs anywhere. Like a few, few of my best friends are people that they were like, when they became friends with us at the gym and started building their social circle, they were like, we can go back to California. We can move to Florida. We can go to a lot of places, but I think we're going to stay here. 
you know, and now they, they put roots down here. Right. So, you know, when I see that, when I had that journey myself, like, and then I can serve $200 gyms or a thousand other gyms and help them do the same thing. Like that's pretty impactful. Like the, that butterfly effect that we can create is pretty profound. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it, it is. It's, and it's, it's those bigger visions that I think take businesses to the next level and, and allow for, um, for growth beyond really where most people would say it's really viable. It's like, well, you're wrong. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. So uh, to wrap up real quick, uh, your business is big little gyms and you serve, uh, gym owners and really kind of just help elevate them to the next level in their business. Right. Did yeah. I, did I set that up pretty good. You did. Yeah, you did good. Yeah. I mean, we do, there's a lot of things that's kind of broad, but I'd say that's the end game, right? Like whatever tools we got to use, whether it's, and I know we're getting into, it sounds like a business pitch and that's not what we're here to talk about, but you know, it, it is a fabric of who I am and, and all that, but yeah, whether it is marketing tools and sales stuff, we got to use that stuff and it's, it's a means to an end, but it's not all we're about. Like so many other people out there just perpetuating, you know, get rich quick stuff. You know what I mean? It's really about making those big shifts. So yeah, that's, that's, yeah. Well, I will, I will do the, the, the pitch because I, I, I was attracted to you because of what I saw you putting out and that's, you know, it, it, and so as a past gym owner, I get it and I know what's out there and there's a lot of gar <laughs> dude, there's a lot of garbage out there. There's a lot of guys selling blue sky that have never touched the sky. And I, I love hearing your story and I, and just for fathers out there, like, don't, don't limit yourself. Like, you know, and, and then the other message that really resounds with me is you know, look at it from a point of service and that's where, where things really start to thrive. But, um, dude, yeah, I'll, I'll endorse you all day long. I've been, it's been really enjoyable, uh, chatting with you. I'm sure we could have probably gone in detail on so many more things. Um, yeah, we'll put your, we'll put your, your uh, info in the show notes and um, look forward to watching Zoe and Jax grow through social media, probably in person at some point. And um, really appreciate having you on the show, man. Of course, man. Yeah, of course. And if I could part with uh, one last little thing, if that's okay. You yeah. Um, you know, there's always like these little frameworks you can find out there for life that are usually founded around some like principle. You know, when I, when you think about like encapsulating all this and, you know, what we're trying to say, you know, one of the ones I love the most is uh, the Japanese have this uh, framework uh, called Ikigai. Um, have you heard of this one, Scott, or no? Not. Okay. So it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty impactful. And I always ask myself, it's essentially like, it's um, kind of looks almost like a Venn diagram where there's like, you know, four bubbles and they're overlapping in the middle. Um, and, you know, essentially in each of those four bubbles is a different like principle. And in the middle, they all overlap to, to create Ikigai, which is like your reason for being. And like, whenever you're going to do anything in life, whatever your purpose that you're going to set out to do, like for your work or whatever that thing is, like it should be in the, it should, it should encapsulate all four of those things to where in the middle it's, it, it results in Ikigai. And what those four things are is, you know, is it something that you're good at? You know, like, is it, is it something that like you truly are like good at that you can, you could stand on your pedestal and be like, yeah, I'm good at this. Like, this is something I'm gifted at. Like I get this. Right. And then number two is like, is it something that you love? Right. Do you, do you love it? Cause there is people that are good at something, but they don't love it. Right. Like there's plenty of people doing things in their life that they are, they went to school for, they developed the skills for, but they freaking hate it. Like that with every bit, but they do it because they have to do it because it results in a paycheck. Right. So you got to love it. That's number two. Number three, what the world is it something the world needs right? Like, is this something that, 
the world actually needs. Because a lot of things that you might love that you're good at, but the world doesn't really need it. It's really not that important. It's really not that desirable. It's more for you than it is for the world or whatever, right? Like, so does the world need this thing? And the, the fourth thing, obviously, is like, can you be paid for it, right? Like, can I manifest wealth as a result of like doing this thing? So we need wealth, right? Especially if we're like fathers and you're watching this, like your goal should be to build some sort of generational wealth, at least to a degree where like your kids can have the things maybe you didn't have or can make some choices that you didn't have the choice over to choices to make yourself. Right. So those are the four things I always ask myself was like, is it good at it? Is it something I love? Is it something the world needs? And, and can I be, can I be paid for it? And if it does overlap all four of those things in a high degree, then I know I'm going in the right direction. That's awesome. I, a lot of, a lot of people will do, um, uh, things and move their entire direction towards where there's only one or two of those meeting. It's either money or it's the others. And they don't realize that they have to have both. So I love that concept. Eek guy. <clears throat> Thanks a lot, man. Really appreciate having you on the show. Well, thanks so much for having me on. Allow me, allow me to, to chat a little bit, chat for a little bit with you. It's been awesome. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.